At Hendricks Regional Health, patient experience is at the core of everything we do. That's why we proudly present Health Talks with HRH. Here's Melanie Cole. Carpal tunnel syndrome is a common condition that can cause pain, numbness, and tingling in the hand and arm. It can be quite painful and can significantly affect your quality of life. My guest today is Dr. David Harsha. He's a sports medicine physician with Hendricks Regional Health. Welcome to the show, Dr. Harsha. So let's start with a working definition of carpal tunnel syndrome. What exactly is it? Well, carpal tunnel syndrome is uh, classically just, as you mentioned, pain and numbness and tingling in the hand. It typically involves the thumb and the first two fingers and part of the fourth finger, the ring finger, Uh, but it can involve all fingers. The pain uh, is often in those fingers or on the thumb side of the wrist, and it's classically aggravated by activities that involve uh, bending of the wrist, either uh, flexing, as we call it, where you're bending it down or up, raising the arms above uh, the the head or doing things like driving, reading, holding books, typing, things that people do an awful lot of today with the computer use, holding a telephone. Those are all things that tend to provoke uh, this pain, numbness, and tingling. Uh, and it uh, can be off and on for a while, but it, it can also become consistent, painful, and aggravate, as you mentioned, people to the point of having a significant effect on the quality of life. Many people often have nighttime symptoms and will shake their hands to try and get rid of the symptoms. And that's one of those classic things I talk to patients about and ask if they've had where they felt like they needed to shake their hand to get rid of the symptoms. Um, It can uh, later in the course of the illness cause weakness or clumsiness of the hand, um, and people can start dropping things, changing their hand posture to try and get it better. So those are the things that we look for, it's typically what we call a clinical diagnosis, meaning we look at exam findings and the history to know who's at risk for that. Uh, but there's also um, um, increased uh, factors that we look for that can increase your risk, such as diabetes, being pregnant, uh, having arthritis in the wrist, um, certain underlying uh, metabolic disorders like thyroid problems, uh, being female. Uh, or having a genetic predisposition if people in your family have had it. So those all factor into uh, who's at risk and who we diagnose uh, with carpal tunnel syndrome. So Dr. Harsha, backing up for a, a minute, you mentioned computer use and holding your phone. I mean, everybody does that today. Are you seeing more carpal tunnel than you've ever seen before because of texting and computer use? Well, I think it certainly can aggravate the condition, but, you know, I've I've seen an awful lot of it for a long time with typing having always been there. But, yeah, I think there's probably an increased prevalence. I don't know that I could tell you I've seen studies that show that, but certainly we look for those risk factors, and you just mentioned some of the big ones we look for. So then when after you've diagnosed that this is what's going on, let's start with first line of defense. What do you tell people they can do at home to help, whether it's bracing or icing or trying topical anti-inflammatories, what do you tell them? Great question. There's a few things that we recommend. Um, Typically, if the symptoms haven't been present very long, say less than 10 months, uh, and they're mild, they're not disrupting the individual's lifestyle that much, then we can start with some conservative therapies. And splinting is probably the biggest uh, one I recommend, where we put a splint on mainly at night to stop people from flexing or bending their wrist into awkward positions that can compress the nerve and lead to increased symptoms. 
So that's the biggest one. Um, some people benefit from wearing the splint during the day, but uh, there is another group that it can cause them to do things differently when they're wearing the splint and may actually aggravate symptoms, so we just have to watch for that. Um, there are also, uh, you know, position change, watch where what you're doing when you're driving, uh, avoid those awkward positions, and one of the ways we teach people to do that is to do what's called an ergonomic assessment of their workstation or their computer use. So we try and keep them in a neutral, um, non-bent position at the wrist, and uh, so they're not reaching awkwardly for the mouse and or trying to type with an awkward position and reaching a lot. Those can aggravate symptoms of carpal tunnel. Um, icing certainly helps. Um, and then when it comes to medications, um, over-the-counter uh, things like ibuprofen or Aleve can certainly help with the pain, but they don't really change the course of what's going on uh, with carpal tunnel. Things that can change the course a bit include uh, both oral or injectable uh, corticosteroids or steroid injections. Uh, so if people don't respond early on to splinting and uh, some activity modification and ergonomic adjustment of their workstation, then I typically will step to a cortisone injection next. And I use ultrasound to guide that injection to improve the accuracy. So speak about that a little bit. What's involved? Is it an office procedure? Tell the listeners what's involved in that ultrasound-guided injection. Yes, it is an office procedure. It's um, been one of the new and exciting things that changed my practice in that using ultrasound uh, is different than what we think of when it comes to, like, a physical therapist putting ultrasound, which increases heat in the muscle. This is uh, the ultrasound that actually does visualization of images of the nerve and the tendons in the wrist so that we can identify uh, where we're going with uh, our injection and place it next to the nerve without injuring the nerve. So it, it gives us a great look at where we're putting the steroid, making sure we put it in the right spot, and that we're not injuring any surrounding structures, Um, such as nerves and blood vessels, especially that median nerve, which is the nerve that's injured in carpal tunnel on a chronic basis. So, yeah, it's been a great change to what I do, uh, and uh, I think it improves the accuracy and improves my ability to know I've done the injection accurately. Dr. Harsho, what can listeners expect and patients expect from the length of how long this injection is going to work for? Again, that's that's one of the things that my patients certainly want to know, and it can give several weeks' worth of relief. Um, For some people, maybe about a third of the time, it'll give prolonged relief, several months, uh, nor if not long, longer than that. Um, There's a fairly sizable group, however, where if they've had prolonged symptoms, as I mentioned, more than 10 months, or they're getting moderate to severe symptoms, Certainly, we can try injections, but they may just give a few weeks' worth of relief. And in that group, we want to do additional evaluation uh, and go beyond just those initial non-surgical treatments. And usually, I'll get what's called an EMG or nerve conduction studies, which is a test to evaluate the nerve and how well it's functioning. And if it's um, not doing well, it's a moderate to severe problem with the carpal tunnel, then it increases the risk of that nerve being damaged over time and also you know, makes us know that conservative and or non-surgical treatments may not be the best option for that patient. So after you do an ergonomic assessment to see about their desk and their office, does physical therapy work or massage or acupressure? And if the nerve does sustain some damage, does that 
damage come back? Can that be fixed? Well, you know, there are a lot of different treatments out there that are non-surgical, some that have some evidence behind them uh, that are reasonable to consider include yoga. Uh, Occupational therapists typically do uh, the therapy for this where they'll do some manipulation in the wrist and some what are called nerve glides to stretch and uh, and try and relieve some pressure in the carpal tunnel. And uh, we hope that it certainly relieves that compression and improves the status of the nerve and gives it more time, if not uh, relief of the symptoms. So those are reasonable things to do. And uh, again, as I mentioned, if things progress, then we would want to you know, step back and reassess. But many times those therapies can be uh, a good, useful adjunct. Um, acupuncture and acupressure have been looked at and have some uh, mild evidence that they might be helpful. So if people wanted to try that and didn't really want to try an injection, those would be reasonable options to consider. So wrap it up for us with your best advice about people in possibly preventing carpal tunnel syndrome in the first place. And then if they do come up with some pain in the wrist and what you've described, what they can do to get help. Oh, yeah. I'd love to see if we could uh, prevent carpal tunnel. And and, and certainly some of the things that uh, I would recommend people do are make sure you do have a good workstation and that you're careful on the positioning of your wrists and hands that keeps them in a neutral position and uh, avoid reaching or awkward postures. Um, And when you're at your desk, take a break every hour, get up, move around five minutes every hour to give your carpal tunnel a break and can improve some circulation into the carpal tunnel. Um, Make sure you stay physically active. Uh, Things that can make carpal tunnel worse include, you know, some lifestyle issues like smoking or weight gain. Uh, So stay active, avoid uh, problems with diabetes uh, and weight gain, obesity. Those are things that will help uh, avoid carpal tunnel syndrome. And if you do end up getting carpal tunnel syndrome, don't ignore those symptoms uh, of the hand and wrist pain and numbness and tingling. They can be a, a warning sign that Something's wrong and uh, that you need to have it assessed by a physician and make sure that we keep that nerve healthy. Thank you so much, Dr. Harsh. It's great information for people to hear. You're listening to Health Talks with HRH, Hendricks Regional Health. And for more information, you can go to hendricks.org. That's hendricks.org. This is Melanie Cole. Thanks so much for listening.